Some came in, but overall, the last month, we've had 90,000 ounces flow out. And overall, the COMEX has lost almost a million ounces. We go down here between COMEX and the rest of the market around the world, most of it in the UK, some in other places. We've seen over 3 million ounces of gold flow out. People are taking physical delivery. People tell me all the time, well, they're not taking physical delivery on COMEX. It's not coming out. Well, yes, it is. It's coming out big time, okay? <laughs> There's a lot coming out of COMEX. Welcome to Gold Silver Pros. Hey everybody, this is just Rob Keens of GoldSilverPros.com. This is your weekly market wrap-up. Wow, a lot has happened, and we're going to dive right into the data. We'll talk about the economic data first, and then the stories, and go right in to gold and silver. This is going to be a little bit shorter one as we shorten up the format, but bring you no less information than we previously had. We're going to get started off with the economic data right off the bat. As you can see here, uh, on the consumer, we have CPIs, the big news of last week. CPI remained elevated at 35 7% year over year for September. That's the second straight month we've seen that level hold. So I think it means it's returned the inflation. And you'll see that theme throughout the presentation as we look at various indexes and speech from people in the economy. Consumer sentiment drops to a 63 on the index on concerns over inflation. That's the lowest level since May and over a five-point drop in the last month. On the business side, the NFIB optimism index slumps 90.8 amid concerns of inflation. And I wanted to read to you some quotes from that report. Quote, the NFIB Small Business Optimism Index decreased half a point in September to 90.8. September's reading marks the 21st consecutive month below the 49-year average of 98. 23% of owners reported that inflation was their single most important problem in operating their business, unchanged from last month and tied with labor quality as the top concern. Quote, Owners remain pessimistic about future business conditions, which has contributed to the low optimism they have regarding the economy, said Bill Dunkelberg, NFIB chief economist. Sales growth among small businesses have slowed, and the bottom line is being squeezed, leaving owners few options beyond raising selling prices for financial relief. Key findings include small business owners expecting better business conditions over the next six months deteriorated, six points from August to a net negative 43% seasonally adjusted. However, 18 percentage points better than last June's net negative reading of 61% and still definitely, definitely at recessionary levels. 43% of owners reported job openings that were hard to fill up three points from August remaining historically high as owners can't hire enough workers due to few qualified applicants. Seasonally adjusted and at 23% plan to raise compensation in the next three months, down three points from August. The net percent of owners raising average selling prices increased two points to net 29% seasonally adjusted. Still a very inflationary level, the report notes. And lastly, the net percent of owners who expect real sales to be higher increased one point from August to net negative 13%. Still a very dismal posture. No kidding. That's not great news at all. Moving on, uh, wholesale inventories drop 0.1%. That's the second straight month we've seen a drop in wholesale inventories, indicating that there is less consumer demand. Therefore, inventories have to drop along with it. The producer price index is up 0.5%. So producers are seeing rising prices just like consumers. And the PPI is a little bit higher than the CPI month over month. The CPI month over month is 0.4%, which essentially means that we are going to see higher inflation down the road because as producer prices rise, they get passed on to consumers. The import price index is up 0.1%, falls from 0.5% last month. 
that indicates overseas prices are actually coming down, which indicates a deflation in the Chinese economy and in other overseas economies. On the jobs front, initial jobless claims surged to 209,000. We're seeing that surge from 205 to 207, now to 209. And interesting, uh, the comments from the business survey that they're not finding enough qualified candidates at the same, same time that more jobless claims are occurring. That tells me one or two things are happening. One, people are not wanting to work and they're abusing the system by putting in jobless claims, or we don't have the right mix of skilled talent for the jobs that we have, which I think is probably the bigger of the two problems, meaning we have a skills gap and more people are gonna remain unemployed. The Fed have a, had a couple of different releases. Uh, Fed Governor Christopher Waller, in his remarks last week, said that the Fed expects a 4% GDP increase for July through September that quarter, and that the real side of the economy is doing well, and he predicts, therefore, a soft landing. He says financial markets are tightening up and doing the Fed's work for them so that they don't necessarily have to raise interest rates. However, when you get to the actual Fed meeting minutes, it gives a different picture. The Fed meeting minutes, quote, a vast majority of participants continue to judge the future path of the economy as highly uncertain. Global oil markets and potential for upside surprises in food prices were among the risks discussed. The Fed thinks inflation is returning to its 2% goal. I think that is complete bunk. We see that inflation continues to rise in the CPI and the PPI. It is not returning to its 2% goal. So a lot of what Fed Waller has said and a lot of what was in the Fed meeting minutes is wishful thinking, but is not actually occurring. And I think there's cognitive dissonance going on with the Fed because depending on who you talk to, and even in the same meeting minutes report, you get conflicting views. And so I think the Fed is conflicted and doesn't know what's going on. We're not headed for a soft landing. Inflation is up. Joblessness uh, continues to be an issue. And yet the Fed and the Fed says that the, the themselves within, they're worried about the outlook for business. They're worried about inflation. They're worried about rising prices. So a lot of what the Fed is saying is either lipstick on a pig and window dressing or they have severe disagreements over what they think that's going on in the economy. I think it's probably a little bit of both. I would be careful about listening to their comments over looking at the economic data, which is why I give you the economic data every week so that you can see it for yourself. Moving on to the markets, not a whole lot of data here today, but the Dow rallies 350 points on general optimism, despite inflation and geopolitical concerns. Bond rates all continue to rise. Uh, the 10-2 yield curve inversion rises to 0.378, back to where it was a couple of weeks ago. Bond rates around the world are all rising. We showed you that last week on the program. All over the world, bond rates are rising. That's an indication of risk, and that is because of what's going on geopolitically and economically. I'm going to highlight the repo market in one of the stories of the week. This is an output from one of the Fed's websites where we're looking at the weighted average rate for the repo market. What is the repo market? The repo market is short-term liquidity or short-term funding for American businesses. It's where you take a treasury or a short-term uh, high-quality liquid asset, H2LA, and you stick it out there and you lend it, you earn an overnight rate and you take it back. So people that want the bonds will invest in them overnight and will pay a certain percentage rate and vice versa, the people that are lending them will earn a percentage rate for those bonds ensuring that they make something on their money. So it's beneficial for both. Well. The repo market is one of the things that freezes up right before you go into a major recession. And generally, we see rates rise and liquidity decrease, meaning there's less uh, uh, treasuries or securities available in the repo market. Well, the first chart is going to show you that the weighted average rate has been going up since last October. It's been rising substantially, raising the total par value of uh, the bonds and other instruments that are uh, traded in that repo market. 
but the repo market itself is shrinking. As we look at the second chart, uh, the reverse repo and repo is the same. They have to be the same amount. Reverse repo and repo are two sides of the same coin. So I just pulled the reverse repo chart. You can see that since January, we had over 2 trillion in repo. We're now down to about 1.23 trillion. And that's been running off all year. We're down almost a trillion dollars in the repo market. That's about a 45% drop since the beginning of the year. So remember I said two things will determine uh, the repo market uh, health and whether or not we're headed for a major recession. One, that the rates would be rising. We see that's clearly here in that chart that's been rising since last October. And since last October, we've had a fall, actually since the beginning of the year, we've had a fall in the size of the repo market, indicating there's less uh, repo available for people. There's less liquidity available for businesses. And that is a major issue. That is one of the biggest stories of the week uh, outside of the geopolitical concerns because if that repo market freezes up, we know we're headed to recession. Remember what happened a few years ago? We had report repo market issues. Uh, we had basically a very short recession. We had uh, uh, a spike in interest rates. We had a, a crash in the market, in the stock markets. I think it, the Dow went down 28% or so in a short time frame in the fourth quarter a couple of years ago. Same thing happened back in 2007, 2008 when the repo market froze up. That's what led into the major uh, issues with Lehman and the mortgage market and cause people basically to freak out. Well, we're getting closer to that point. And think of all the recessionary indicators that we have. We have the yield curve inversion where the two-year treasury trades at a higher rate than the 10-year, meaning there's more risk in the short term. And that's always predicted an oncoming recession. Well, the repo market looks like it's beginning to predict an oncoming recession as well. So we're going to continue to follow those for you guys, but it looks like the recession is basically here. And so you guys may want to look at your investments, look at your portfolio, and just look at the general health of your financial situation as we get deeper into that. All right, next we're going to go on to the gold and silver report, and I'm going to give you some additional stories that you should pay attention to this week. Hey guys, we got a new special deal for you. That's right, exclusive volume pricing. For those of you that order more than just a couple of products, we're bringing you the best deals that we can find from any of our suppliers. And that is on common gold and silver coins that you guys have told us that you value the most. Right now we have got deals on Canadian gold maple leafs, gold philharmonics, American gold buffaloes. On the silver side, Canadian silver maple leafs and American silver eagles. All you have to do is click on the link They'll take you to our website's exclusive volume pricing page where we change the prices every single day, update those prices every day on these volume deals specifically to get you the lowest price on precious metals that we can possibly bring you. And I'll let you know that a lot of these deals we're making very little or no money, but we're bringing to you at volume discount so that you can get access to these. Right now, we've got sales on the Canadian Gold Maple Leafs, the Gold for Harmonics, the American Gold Buffaloes, Canadian Silver Maple Leafs, and American Silver Eagle. We will be also be adding the American Gold Eagle as well as other products as we scour for the best deals. Simply click on the link on the form, fill out your information. I will give you a call and determine what you're wanting. We'll get this out to you as soon as possible. We're going to change prices every single day. So you've got to check the website every day at www.goldsilverpros.com forward slash exclusive dash volume dash pricing, or just click on the link for exclusive volume pricing right there on the front page. New prices every day, discounts on the most popular coins in gold and silver exclusively, exclusively from goldsilverpros.com. All right, we're back with the second half of the report. And the last story of the day before we get into the gold and silver report has to do with liquidity of treasuries here from Bloomberg. 
we have the U.S. Treasury Liquidity Index graphed up against the ICE Bank of America Move Index. And what both are basically showing is we have worse liquidity in the Treasury market. Liquidity has started to worsen again. And that is a sign that we may be headed toward recession because there is a lack of overall debt liquidity in the market. And we know that the market has to have debt liquidity and it's tightening up. In addition, there's more volatility in the market as we look at the second chart, bond implied volatility stretched versus realized volatility. And what that means is as this number ticks up, it means there's more volatility in the bond market. There's less certainty around where the bond market's going and who wants to hold what in that bond market, which is where the volatility comes from. And that indicates that the bond market is weakening at the same time that the short-term liquidity market that also has some treasury issuance into it as high quality like liquid assets is weakening. Both signs in the debt and the funding markets indicate that we may be headed to worsening conditions in the economy and the overall recession. All right, without further ado, let's jump into gold and silver, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to get into volume and open eye, as you can see here. So we've had a little bit of spike in volume on the 13th on Friday. Of course, you saw prices rise in gold then due to geopolitical concerns going on in the world and want to take a look at the data. So as of Friday, October 13th, uh, the predominant month in trading in gold is still December, 363,000 contracts. You can see that we've had a nice buildup in February as well. So as we get towards the end of the year, contracts are rolling into February. Roll into February. Remember, this is a futures market. But right now, this is the market in December that's, for the most part, pricing gold. And you can see what's going on there. You can see the EFP mechanism was very robust on Friday. As gold was going up on Friday and demand for, for safety assets increased, we saw an increase in EFPs. Or so what are EFPs? If you watch the show, you know that's called exchange for physical. It's where you take a contract on the COMEX, a futures, and you trade it for exposure on the London uh, unallocated market or the OTC or the over-the-counter market. And what it means is people are trying to get gold. So they'll trade their futures position in uh, the COMEX market, their paper position to see if they can get gold or at least play the prices there to, to get more uh, price exposure or get a little bit of profit. But it, it goes to show there's a flight to safety in gold because you can only get deliveries in the current month and there aren't a lot of contracts in the current month. The next big delivery month is going to be December. This is a flight into gold and a way to do it is to exchange your position here and move it over to London. On Thursday, we saw 1,979 of those contracts and overall uh, 359,000 open interest. On Thursday, we saw 365 deliveries in the current COMEX market. That's where you take delivery on the COMEX market, whereas EFP is you're trading out to the UK market. We want to make that distinction. And this is Wednesday's data, 205 deliveries. And then another uh, 2,921 went over to the EFPs. You can see that the EFPs are bigger than the current market, again, because this is a bigger market. There's more trade here. So you can trade your forward position here, hopefully for a position in London market. Whereas if you're wanting to get physical in COMEX, you're going to have to wait until December. Tuesday's data, same thing, 1,681 EFPs, 169 deliveries. Let's go over to the settlement data to show you where prices are. This is as of Friday. This is closing Friday's data. Estimated volume was heavier in December, as you can see here, 312,994 contracts. They settled for 1,941.50. By the way, this is a really big estimated volume for a single day. There was a lot of volume going on, and we're going to go back to the volume chart just to show you a huge spike in volume right here, a lot of open interest and a lot of volume of contracts because of what's going on across the world. People are really interested in gold right now. This is a really high number. Gold was up as a result. A lot of longs came in. It was up $58 a 
and 50 cents. Whereas if we go to Thursday's data, there was about half, well, less than half as many contracts, 163,475, although that's a pretty big number still. I've seen days where it's only 80 or 90,000, uh, but gold went down about $4.30. If we go back further in the week, gold traded up on Wednesday, $12,169,000. So the trade was elevated all week in terms of volume and the prices generally rose throughout the week. Well, what happened to the ETF market? What happened to those funds or people put money into funds to have exposure to gold? Uh, most of these, you can't get direct access to gold. In, in, or, in other words, you can't exchange it for physical, but at least you can get access to the price and say that you have some gold in your portfolio. And as well as we have the COMEX data up here. So let's go over COMEX first. This is the US market. We've seen a flight out of gold, meaning, I'm sorry, a flight of ounces of gold out of the depositories. And that's been across all. It's been registered and eligible. So stored ounces have come off. Although on the day, the last day, Friday's data, we did have 26,000 ounces of gold come onto the Comex exchange in terms of stored gold, not registered for trading on the derivative market for delivery, but just in the storage portion. There's two portions of that market. Some came in, but overall, the last month, we've had 90,000 ounces flow out. And overall, the Comex has lost almost a million ounces. We go down here between Comex and the rest of the market around the world, most of it in the UK, some in other places, We've seen over 3 million ounces of gold flow out. People are taking physical delivery. People tell me all the time, well, they're not taking physical delivery on COMEX. It's not coming out. Well, yes, it is. It's coming out big time, okay? <laughs> There's a lot coming out of COMEX. 900,000 ounces is just coming right off of that market. And overall, 3 million ounces across the world. That is significant. Uh, in, the last four, uh, in the last day, the last daily number is 184,000 negative. So overall, you can see ounces are flowing out. You can see on this chart, since silver squeezed back here a couple of, and a half years ago, gold has continued to flow out. It is flowing out. It's very clear on this chart. It's unmistakable. All right, let's get into silver. Silver had a little bit of elevated volume on Friday, not quite as much. Again, I will say that silver is mostly traded as a commodity instead of money on the exchange because silver is used in everything. And this is the industrial market or the speculative market. So you're going to treat it mostly like a commodity. Now, during times of uh, recessions and things like that, silver can act a lot like gold in that it can have an investment perspective or a monetary perspective. I don't think that's being activated heavily at this particular moment. I think that's more into gold, as you can see by the volume numbers, but we're going to go ahead and go over the data anyway, because I do think there is some speculative interest or investment interest rising in silver as money. Again, as we look at the numbers, silver is trading heavy on the December contract. December is the month in which gold and silver share higher uh, volume than just about any point in time of the year and uh, higher deliveries. Now, gold and silver both have about six months a year where the markets are have heavy deliveries. They trade uh, 12 months a year, but they have heavy deliveries six months. Most of those months are different with one of the exceptions being December because it's year end. It makes total sense. All right. There were 31 deliveries at close on Friday's data and there were 725 EFPs. Now, what's interesting about silver is the average contract's not 100 ounces like it is in gold. It's 5,000. And so you'll get less overall EFPs, but the amount of ounces is still elevated because you multiply this number 725 times 5,000 to see the over amount of overall amount of ounces being asked for in the London market, where you take the, the US um, contract for December and you move it over to London OTC to get that exposure. That's Friday's data. Going over to Thursday's data, 103,000 contracts open interest at close. Uh, there were only two deliveries on Thursday, but 450 went over in EFPs. And if we go to Wednesday, nine deliveries, 230 EFPs on 103,000 contracts. Open interest overall, 104,000 contracts. 
for Tuesday, 463 IPs. You get the, the trend of what's going on there. When people can't take delivery in the comics, they go overseas and it goes back to the, these charts where we see the ounces flowing off across the complex. It's for people taking it off. That's why I repeat this every week. I go over these charts every week in gold and silver. The EFPs are showing that people are taking it off. And if they can't get it off of Comex, they're going over to the UK. It's clear. It's unmistakable. I don't care what anyone says. The data don't lie there. And I do it every week. All right. Going on to the closing day. This is Friday's closing data for settlements. This is going to give us our prices. Again, December's the big month here. 76,257 uh, contracts closed on Friday. A rise of about 94 cents to settle at 22.89. Nice to see uh, silver trading up, but we'll go back. Going back to the settlements data, going to Thursday's data, 51,000 contracts. Again, a little bit less, about half as much like we saw in gold last week. Friday was really the big trading day in gold and silver. That's why you saw the big rise in prices. Now they're fading a little bit today. So when we get that data later today, we'll see that the overall open interest probably fell. That's generally how it works. When there's a big move, either up or down in gold and silver, the open interest in the derivative market goes up. All right, uh, silver on Thursday sold off about 17 and a half cents to land at 21.95. And then if we look at Wednesday's data, you see that 45,000 contracts were closed, up 18 cents on silver to 22.133. And if you look at the same chart in terms of the overall amount of silver held both domestically and overseas, um, you see here at the COMEX, there's actually been additional ounces added overall silver to the COMEX. More silver's flown on COMEX, mostly ineligible. That's the private storage. So a lot of silver in the last four weeks has actually come on to, and that's a reversal of what we've seen for about two and a half years. Uh, there was daily change Friday of zero ounces uh, on or off the exchange, which I sometimes I have a hard time believing that, but that's what the numbers say. Uh, the registered though, the one uh, where silver changes hands from one to the other, um, the silver flowed off of that about 4.7 million ounces. And then in the ETFs, there were some that didn't move at all. It's interesting to see, maybe they weren't trading that day for various markets, but a lot of these didn't have movement. But overall, the last month, we've seen about four and a half million ounces move off between the COMEX and between overseas. Uh, the SLV, which is the big one that US uh, retail investors will get into, saw sales of about 930,000 ounces. Uh, the PHAG or SIBR saw sales of uh, 887,000 sprout PSLV sells about uh, almost 2 million ounces. So we've seen a lot of silver flow out. The SSLV LNE fund saw 2.3 million ounces. That was the biggest loser. And again, the overall trend since silver squeeze about two and a half years ago is that silver is coming off overall, physically coming off, not just being traded warehouse receipts, being removed off these exchanges quite a bit for two and a half years. The people that tell you it's not moving off, they're not looking at the data. That's why we look at the data every week. All right, on to the COT report. The COT report is the positioning of traders, the commitment of traders, COT. We look at silver and gold every week, and this is very interesting. Uh, this is silver. Data ended October 10th. Again, this is in arrears or older data because the CFTC has to gather this from various trade participants, put it together. They take a long time. Apparently, it's uh, monkeys working on typewriters, and it takes them a week and a half to do this. They haven't come into the internet in the digital age, ladies and gentlemen, where these numbers could be calculated by computer, or at least that's what they tell us. But the interesting thing is we see big movement. Oh, we're going to start with producer emergencies, so the ones that use it for hedging typically. We saw them adjust positions right and left, you know, 713 increase in long, 687 short, about the same as where they were a week before. But look at the swap dealers, a.k.a. the bullion banks, the eight largest participants in the market are mostly bullion banks. 
And you can see that they dropped shorts and went long in silver and they're net long in silver again. Now, a lot of times this happens because they're adjusting their positions and they want to cover trades. So sometimes they'll drop shorts and go long to cover some trades either way. And then they'll go back to shorting the heck out of silver again, but they're net long. And this is the second time they've been long, net long in as many months. And that tells me that they're kind of staying about even, even maybe a little bit net long because they think that market's going to rise. Silver is more volatile and will move after gold. But it's interesting to see that the silver trades about even, whereas gold, there are more shorts. I find that very interesting. I think this is a very prophetic sort of a chart to show you that they dropped 2,400 shorts and went long about 1,600. It's about 4,000 positive move to the upside from the bullion banks. On the other side of the trade, the managed money, the financial houses, hedge funds took the other side. They took all the shorts. Uh, during a time when silver is rising, probably didn't do too well on that trade. The other reportables, the wealthy family offices uh, at all, uh, dropped both longs and shorts for about, you know, a little bit more drop longs to go a little bit net short. Overall, it looks like the top uh, eight traders are 46% short in silver. So there's a concentrated short position. Silver has been that way for over a decade that I've been following this. All right, on to gold. This is the, go the gold, the same chart. I'm just going to highlight this is a table within the document that manages gold or, or looks at gold. And so overall, looking at producer merchants, uh, they dropped 1,300 shorts and went long 2,396 contracts. So the people that are legitimately hedging, whether they be a merchant that buys the gold to use it or the producer that's selling it, collectively, they believe the gold price is going up to the tune of almost 5,000 contracts. The swap dealers, the bullion banks, dropped 11,913 shorts. This is major news. I've been following this for several months. For several months, the bullion banks have been dropping shorts and dropping shorts. They were over 200,000 shorts not long ago. Now they're down 163,000 short net net, and they're 91,000 long. This used to be a two and a half to one number. It is now not even a two to one number. It's about a one point, I would say about eight to one number, meaning they're reducing their overall short position. Put this in, in plain English. They're getting out of the short. The bullion banks are getting out of the short game on gold. They expect it to go long. Now, they still got a ways to go, about 72,000 contracts to get even. But they are vehemently uh, getting rid of their shorts in gold, which I think is portending a big upside move in gold. Because if you're going to do this for several months in a row and get rid of all that short interest without stopping, it tells me that they think the gold's going to go long. Now, when gold goes long, you'll see silver go long. And I think what will happen is we go up to silver, you're going to see this trade blow out. And the swap dealers will go very heavy long silver, but they're going to go heavy long silver probably after gold. Okay. And the reason for that is they're playing for price movements here in silver up and down. But when you see them start to go closer to long and gold or net even, that's when you say the fear trade or the flight to safety has begun because it begins in gold before it does silver. The managed money types, they took the other side, they took 12,640 shorts additional and dropped a bunch of longs. These are the hedge, fund, hedge funds managed money. Didn't do so hot on that because gold and silver went up last week. But, you know, that's what the managed money always does. Now, you can ask the question, how can the managed money can continually be wrong? And the swap banks can always take their money because managed money is a gigantic pool of money. It's like hedge funds and pensions and any financial interest. We're talking trillions of dollars. So if they take losses all the time, it's a little baby part of their portfolio. Why they continue to take losses all the time, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why they're even in the trade. But they're there as like liquidity providers to the bullion banks so that they can go make money, essentially. It all comes from the hedge funds and the financial types. And then the producer merchants like it too, because they can move up and down as they need to. And the managed money you know, seems oblivious to what it, the price is actually going to do. The other reportables, well, they drop shorts and longs. 
but went net short a little bit because they had dropped less shorts than longs. And again, concentrated uh, traders position. I also like to point that out. The top eight traders in gold um, short positions are 47.5% short. That's a lot. So again, a concentration of both gold and silver of short positions. You also see this in sugar. You see it a little bit in oil. So you see a lot of concentrated in, in these very uh, important uh, commodity indices. Uh, you tend to see a lot of concentrated short positions. And I think that's one way in which they make money. Last chart for the day. This is uh, from my friend Bai Jajun on Twitter. It goes by at Oriental underscore ghost. He's talking about the, the Chinese Shanghai market. And he's showing that in uh, silver, 19,287 kilograms were taken off. Today's gold and silver data from SFE and SGE says the silver vaults on SVE continued to drop by 19.287 tons, hitting a new low since the silver squeeze in 2020. A new low since the silver squeeze in 2020. Uh, the silver is coming off of the Chinese exchange as well. And here's the actual official graphic in kilograms, 19,287 tons on warrant. There you go. So it looks as though people are going for gold and silver across the world and they ain't stopping. All right, here's my summary for the weekly market wrap. Gold, uh, it looks like the banks are eventually going to get to the point where they're net even on the gold and silver trade on derivatives. That tells me they expect the gold to rise, but it's not quite ready for the big rise just yet. But we follow that market because that's a canary in the coal mine. And it tells us about the point in time we expect gold to go absolutely bonker nuts. Uh, silver, they, they're net long in silver right now, which tells me silver is probably going to go up a little bit for the silver holders out there. So we could return to maybe that 23, 24 silver dollar mark before we see what the next move is. We'll have to, to track that market. The big concern now, though, and the stories that I brought you has to do with treasuries and repo market. If, if, if you get nothing out of this video, other than the fact that it looks like gold's about to go long here pretty soon, in the next couple of months probably, if, if that trade on the, on the COT report stays, the other big story is that repo market's drying up. And when that dries up, the whole economy just goes because all the funding for corporates and banks just dries up and the whole thing screeches. It's like if you're driving your car and axle grease comes out of your axle and your axle freezes or your transmission freezes because you forgot to put transmission fluid back in when you changed it and then your engine seizes, you stop. Okay, That's what the repo market is for the economy. That's your axle grease. That's your transmission fluid. If either one of those stops, your car stops, your truck stops. You can't go anywhere. You're on pedal power at that point or foot power at that point. And that's what we're seeing in the repo market. It's drying up. Rates are increasing. Rates are increasing because more demand, more has been taken out of that market, less liquidity. People are willing to put less in. Why are people willing to put less liquidity in the repo market? They don't have it. They're running out of money. When the economy runs out of money, that repo market dries up. People don't put up, don't have the money to buy the collateral or don't put up their, their uh, short-term high-quality liquid assets for collateral. And in addition, we're seeing increased volatility in the Treasury index. A couple of Treasury uh, auctions last week didn't do so darn hot. That's a bad sign. People aren't demanding Treasuries as much. And the overall uh, Treasury indexes or liquidity measures is coming down. All of those are signs of an oncoming recession, along with the yield curve inversion, which I report on every week. And then if you look at the data that I showed you at the beginning, inflation is back. Trade is down. Wholesale inventories are down. Overseas prices are down. There's deflation in the economy with inflation of prices at the same time. Double whammy, not good. That means we could be headed maybe eventually to a hyperinflation. All of these things are not great. Now, the Fed's trying to paper over it. 
but you see truth coming out in the meeting minutes when you dig further and they're worried. Okay. The fed is worried and they have disagreement internally about what to do They're They don't, the, the data is so vexing to them. All the stuff that they've done so far hasn't really worked to get them where they want that they're hoping that we get inflation down, but in reality, it's not going down. It's going back up. And I think that's starting to scare the fed. I think the fed at this point realizes they have either lost control or losing control. And that's a very bad sign. It means bad things are coming as we go into the recession. Is the Fed going to be able to do anything about it? Now, they do have their five interest rate points uh, to tighten when we hit the next recession. Or I'm sorry, to loosen another quantitative easing. I don't think it's going to be enough. I think this recession is going to be so deep. Five's not going to be enough. They might try negative interest rates. I don't think there's a liquidity out there. If we look at liquidity in the treasury market for people to buy negative interest rate debt, everybody's broke. If you buy debt, you know that's going to cost you more than you're going to get back. You're not going to do that when you're broke. So I think the whole treasury market is going to implode at some point. Those are the big stories of the week. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is Rob Keynes with goldsilverpros.com. This is your weekly market wrap. Stay tuned Thursday. We got another video and I promise you it's going to be a doozy. We've got more research out for you. You guys are going to like it. And that one, we're going to shorten up just a bit and focus on the big picture there and really bring that big picture to you guys so you can kind of use it as a primer or uh, an idea of, of what's going on and what may be coming. All right. Till next time, this is Rob Keats with GoldSilverPros.com. Hey, thanks for watching. We selected these videos just for you. Check them out. And remember, $4.99 a month keeps the lights on and the channel going. So join our Gold Silver Pro supporter membership. We appreciate your support. Keep stacking.